Thanks for listening to the program. I hope you'll support our guests by clicking on the book purchase link in this episode's description. Each purchase helps support local bookstores, and that's always a good thing. And, you know, I, for as wonderful as Band of Brothers the series is, uh, the Dick Winters that it portrays is the Dick Winters as how his men saw him. And with these letters, we get a more intimate perspective about how Dick Winters saw himself. An excerpt from today's guest, who's co-written about the letters and artifacts of Major Dick Winters. Author Jared Frederick is here, and I'll speak with him after this break. This is Point of the Spear. Welcome back. I'm Robert Child. Today's guest is an instructor at Penn State Altoona and a former park ranger at the Gettysburg National Military Park. He's written a number of books, including Dispatches from D-Day and A People's History of the Normandy Invasion. His current book is called Hang Tough, The World War II Letters and Artifacts of Major Dick Winters. And Jared Frederick joins us now. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We're happy to have you. I want to read a review. This book demonstrates that equal parts of courage and intelligence define Major Winters as a warrior and an exemplary leader of paratroopers. Perhaps we have not seen the last of the books on Dick Winters, but it is unlikely that this one will ever be surpassed. Mark A. Bando, author of six books on the 101st Airborne in World War II. Excellent. Excellent, Jared. Yeah, well, uh, Mark is uh, an astounding airborne scholar and historian, and he was of great help and assistance to us in this project and some of our other endeavors, and uh, his, his praise uh, we greatly value. Yeah, I, w- I would think so. This is certainly a, an amazing book for Band of Brothers fans. How did you get access to the letters of Dick Winters? Um, the, the book uh, primarily consists of artifacts and documents that are found within the Dick Winters collection that are on display and stored at the Gettysburg Museum of History in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, which is curated by my co-author, uh, Eric Dorr. And uh, over the past several years, uh, he has strived to uh, attain as, as broad a possible selection of Easy Company artifacts. And his uh, Dick Winters items were really the beginning of that. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful collection. And uh, people can go and, and see these things uh, firsthand that, that we discuss uh, in the book. Um, and so uh, these items, they can be found in the Gettysburg Museum of History. And uh, that was the root of it all. Um, Eric had read my previous book, which is uh, on the Normandy invasion. And uh, previously, I was a park ranger at Gettysburg, and uh, I had come uh, become acquainted with him in that fashion. And uh, I was honored, blown away, in fact, um, that, that he asked me to partner up with him on this project. Uh, little could I have imagined 20 years ago when Band of Brothers came out. Uh, that I would have had the opportunity to interact with and analyze uh, Major Winters' artifacts and correspondence in the way that I have. And so it's been quite the journey. I'll bet. Did Eric know Major Winters? Um, I don't believe he did know um, Major Winters, although he's, he's become uh, 
very close with a, a number of his uh, friends and associates, and uh, a number of those individuals were really crucial in uh, providing a lot of the, the insight and documentation that we required for this book. What kind of, I know uh, there's artifacts besides the letters, what kind of artifacts are in the museum? In regards to the Dick Winters collection, uh, there's uh, one of his jump uniforms, and uh, it was the, the jump uniform that he wore uh, during training in England in the spring of 1944. Uh, there's his uh, winter overcoat uh, that he wore throughout the conflict. There's his class A dress uniform uh, that he wore home to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania at War's End. And there's uh, an assortment of, of other artifacts on display um, of uh, various uh, sizes and types uh, that include his uh, Colt 1911 sidearm, his wallet, his college yearbook, and a broad uh, assortment of uh, never-before-seen photographs. It's amazing. Now, did Dick Winter's children donate these to the museum? How, what's, the, what's the process that they ended up at the museum? Eric would be better to uh, discuss the, the provenance than I, uh, since he's the one who curates them. Um, but from my understanding, uh, major winners uh, gave or sold a number of these items to friends and collectors uh, throughout the country in the years before his passing. And uh, Eric has by and large acquired those items from those individuals. I see. Now, this book came out late last year. How's it been doing? How's the reaction? Uh, we've been really pleased with... Uh, how people have responded to the book. And you know, I think the best way that I can phrase it is, is how I discovered Major Winters through my own personal experience in, in researching this. Uh, you know, prior to me reading his letters and having the opportunity to give some historical interpretation to them, every time I thought of Dick Winters, I thought of the actor Damian Lewis that, that played him in the series. Um, but after I, I helped write this book, um, that was no longer the case. I, I really saw Dick Winters for who he was, and I thought of him, uh, the actual man, uh, when I took him into consideration. And, you know, I, for as wonderful as Band of Brothers the series is, uh, the Dick Winters that it portrays is the Dick Winters as how his men saw him. And with these letters, we get a more intimate perspective about how Dick Winters saw himself. Uh, you know, when we think of him, when we watch uh, the series, um, we think of this uh, tough as nails, resolute individual who never wavered under any conditions whatsoever. Um, but in his letters, um, even though he was a, a sublimely confident leader and he was uh, fully uh, aware of, of his abilities, and was very cool under fire. We, we nonetheless see a little bit of vulnerability and a little bit of humanity uh, in his letters that we wouldn't otherwise get the perspective of. And I, I think the, the chief point there is that, uh, you know, as, as the war goes on and he evolves as a, as a person, you know, he becomes a little bit more cynical with a lot of the, the carnage that he has witnessed and, uh, you know, by the time we get to the, the winter of 1944, 1945, when he and his men are in the Ardennes, 
there are times when he essentially admits that he doesn't think that he's going to make it um, and that, that he very much doubts his, his survival. And that's, you know, uh, no discredit to, to him as a leader or a soldier. Uh, but, you know, you see that sort of vulnerability um, just taking into account the, the level of casualties that, that his unit was suffering at that time. And so it, it offers a really human perspective. Um, it takes him down off the pedestal a little bit. And it offers uh, something that is really profound, I hope. Now, who was he writing to, his pen pal? Who, who was that, a friend from home? He was writing to a young woman who was a, a pen pal by the name of Dieta Allman. And he met her uh, while he was in the pre-war army. He was uh, stationed at Camp Croft, South Carolina. And uh, she resided in nearby Asheville, North Carolina. And it was largely by chance uh, that these two individuals uh, became friends. And uh, he wrote over 100 letters to her uh, between 1941 and the end of 1945. And he credited her um, in, in a number of instances uh, you know, with being his, his sounding board um, being a means of emotional support for him as he was going through some of these really difficult times. And, uh, you know, it, it's really a story about friendship uh, above anything else. Um, and this, too, is, is another fantastic component of uh, Dick Winters' life uh, that uh, hasn't been heavily covered, um, especially um, in, in the series or in Stephen Ambrose's book. Um, and so, it, it's unique because it, it also offers a little bit of home front perspective in addition to what was life like in easy company uh, during the Second World War. And, um, you know, the really incredible thing is, uh, is that, you know, when when winners came home, when he started a family, when he got married, um, they they by and large lost contact with each other. And it, it wasn't until. Stephen Ambrose's book came out in 1992 that Dieta made the effort to reconnect with him. Um, and so it wasn't until 50 years later uh, that the two of them uh, reconnected uh, and they, they maintained a, a very vibrant written friendship again then for the last several years of her life. You say it's a friendship and a pen pal, but was there a romance as well? Um, Dick Winters claimed that, you know, their relationship was entirely plutonic. Um, you know, perhaps she had different aspirations. Um, I'm, uh, we're not entirely uh, certain. Um, but, you know, I, Dick saw her more as a sister type figure. That's really kind of the sense that you get in a lot of the letters that, that he writes to her. And, um, yeah, and I, I really think that's the, the best way to sum it up, that they were a means of support uh, for each other. And if, if Dick did have any romantic inclinations when the relationship began, those vanished by 1945. Um, like I said, chiefly because he didn't think he was going to survive the war and he didn't want to hurt this good friend of his. We'll be back to the conversation after this quick break. You know, it's it's really uh, a privilege to be involved with a documentary about uh, the USS Franklin. 
And the Franklin was something that uh, that I'd always been fascinated by. And then producer Joe Small and producer-director Rob Childs come to me and say, look, uh, how about if you use your dulcet tones to, uh, to, tell, us, to tell the Franklin story? So as I began to look through the story and as Rob and Joe kept sending me more and more material, uh, this thing was peeling like an onion. I was, I was seeing more and more and more of a really, really important story in naval history, uh, and one which hasn't been, hadn't been told. So, uh, they, you know, they had to uh, throw a two-inch heaving line on me to keep me from charging right down here to the, uh, to the studio and, and helping to put this together. Captain Dale Dye narrates USS Franklin, Auto Restored. Available now on Amazon Prime. Now back to my conversation with author Jared Frederick. Now you're working on another book that's coming out next year, um, Fierce Valor, the true story of Ronald Spears and his band of brothers. Tell us a little bit about that book. Yeah, so, um, you know, as we were researching Dick Winters and Easy Company, there were it seemed like there were always questions emerging um, about this rather mysterious figure of Lieutenant Ronald Spears, who uh, becomes the easy company commander after Dick Winters is, is promoted. Um, and, you know, over time, uh, uh, my co-author, Eric Dorr, who's also working with me on, on this next project, um, he likewise has, has been able to procure uh, a lot of uh, Ronald Spears's uh, documents artifacts, uh, correspondence with, with Dick Winters. And um, these, these items offered us a really um, intimate glimpse of one of the more iconic characters uh, that, are, that is featured in the Band of Brothers series. Um, and so, you know, we uh, did, a, did a deep dive into, you know, his, his records, whatever we were able to find um, we had the assistance of uh, some family members, um, the historian Mark Bando, uh, who you, you referenced a little bit earlier, um, was able to provide us some of his uh, rich uh, assortment of, of interviews that, that he conducted with uh, uh, men who were in the 506 Parachute Infantry Regiment. And, you know, it, I don't necessarily consider the, the be-all, end-all story of Ronald Spears, because what we've done in some instances is that we've we've taken a lot of conflicting accounts about who this guy was and what he did and what he purportedly did. And we bring them into conversation with each other. And it, it's, I, I think it, it's a really rich mosaic of uh, recollections, memories. Um, and we've tried to uh, stitch together the truth as best as we can going by the historical record that we, we have available to us. Um, and so I, I think readers uh, will really enjoy it. I think fans of Band of Brothers um, will get a, some really unique perspective on Ronald Spears. And some of the most surprising things had nothing to do with his World War II experiences. But what did he do before the war? What did he do after World War II? Those were some of the, the most uh, fun and, and compelling chapters uh, that we got to research and write. There seems to be an insatiable desire for information on Band of Brothers related, you know, commanders and figures. It, it's, it's really a, uh, an amazing community of people. 
it, it, it has a long shelf life. Um, you know, there are not many uh, books or miniseries that remain so consistently popular 20 years after their release. And, you know, and the reason why I think that is so is history is best told as a story and not as a chronological conveying of, of facts or figures. And, you know, and even though the, the Easy Company was is an exceptional outfit and, you know, and their story is not, um, you know, entirely emblematic of the GI experience during World War II, um, for better or for worse, they've come to represent that generation. Um, their, their story is accessible. It's one in which people can relate to. There's a colorful assortment of individuals from every walk of life. And um, it's, it's a human drama as much as it is a war story. And um, I, I think undoubtedly that's why it, it remains appealing to so many people all of these years later. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Well, the book is called Hang Tough, the World War II Letters and Artifacts of Major Dick Winters. Jared, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to coming on again. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, my guest will be Major General Mary Kay Eater, author of The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line. There are heroes. There are role models. There are people who came before me. And the style of writing that I used for this is to make it more accessible, I think, to a younger generation. That's next time. And stay up to date with all the upcoming guests. Sign up for the Point of the Spear pipeline at robchild.net. I'm Robert Child, and this has been Point of the Spear. Music licensed from audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media Group. I wanted to take a moment to thank our growing army of listener-supported members. You make it possible to continue our mission of bringing you the best military history authors, filmmakers, and movers and shakers. If you're not a member yet, it's easy to join. It just takes seconds. Scroll down to the bottom of this episode's description and click the support link. You'll come to our anchor page, click the support button, then complete the brief form. It's that easy. We're planning loyalty perks and giveaways to roll out over the coming months for our early supporters who sign on before the end of the year. So don't wait. Become a member today, and thank you for your support.